Well, amen. Can we give a hand clap of praise to our Lord and Savior this morning? Can we do that? Amen. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles with you this morning, and I'm sure that you do, would you please take them out and go to the Old Testament book of Daniel, Daniel chapter 3. Uh, we'll be looking at verses 19 through 30 uh, today as we conclude um, this uh, chapter, Daniel chapter 3. And as you're turning there, I just want to share two things with you uh, very, very briefly. Um, number one, we are, or last week we started our 30 days of prayer leading up to the, uh, uh, the elections. We have national elections, and we also have uh, local elections. And so um, we as a congregation, we as a church, we have been praying and started that last week. Many of you have uh, wrote the devotions that go along with our prayer guide. And uh, so just in case you have not picked one up, there is um, a QR code. Uh, It looks just like this. It's there in the chair back in front of you. Um, I want to encourage you, if you do not have a PDF uh, file of the uh, prayer guide, uh, take that QR code, uh, open up your camera on your phone, and just point it at the QR code, and it will open up. It's like magic. Isn't that crazy? And it will just show up on there. And so we want you to be a part and join with us as we pray for what I believe is a very, very important, important election um, in the life of our country um, and, and really in, in the life of churches, uh, I believe, here in the United States of America. So please join with us as we pray um, leading up to the election, and we, we trust that you will do that. Uh, second thing uh, that I want to uh, say, want to ask is, is this. Um, are there any Brunswick Pirates fans in this room uh, this morning? Doesn't it feel good to be a pirate this morning? You finally get to say something. Francis, isn't that right? You get to say something this morning. Well, I bring that up because this past Friday uh, was the city championship between uh, Brunswick and uh, Glen Academy, and uh, it lived up to the 2020 standards. Amen. If you know what I'm talking about, some of you may know, some of you may not, but it was a wild uh, and crazy game, and everybody there wore face masks and were socially distancing properly. Maybe not. Well, with about 45 seconds left, Glenn Academy scores a touchdown on a miraculous catch, and they take the lead for the very first time in the game, and, and Brunswick High did not have much to work with, and really what they needed is they needed a miracle. They needed a miracle at the end of the game with about 40 seconds left, the ball on the 25-yard line. Uh, They had to go the entire length of the field because they were down four in order to beat uh, Glenn Academy, and uh, 40 seconds left, they needed a miracle. In college, you can see that this this may happen in college. In the pros, you can see this happen a lot, but in high school, rarely do high school teams do this. They just don't have, uh, typically they don't have the the athletes maybe to do that, uh, uh, score that quick in that short of a time. And and Brunswick High needed a miracle, and sure enough, the quarterback launches the ball in the air, and G.A. and Brunswick, they were in perfect position. Uh, Glenn Academy defender actually tipped the ball, and he tipped it right into the hands of a wide receiver sprinting from Brunswick High, who sprinted the entire rest of the way in order to win the game. The Brunswick High side exploded in celebration. The G.A. side will not tell you what was said over there, but it was mourning and weeping. But it was a great game, and apologies to all you GA fans and, uh, and good friends of mine and coaches. You all guys did a great job, but, but it was a miracle. It was a miracle, right? It was a miracle to go that far in that short of a distance to win the game. Our very own Murray Poole. 
said this about the last minute and a half of the city championship. He said this, it was the greatest minute and a half of a quarter, of fourth quarter football in city championship history, and all it took was a miracle. Daniel chapter 3, we stand in need of a miracle. Daniel chapter 3, where we left off last week, we stand in need of a miracle. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Babylon has scored to take the lead, and the the clock is ticking down. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stand in need of a miracle because if you remember Nebuchadnezzar, this big, bad, pagan king of Babylon has set up the golden image. In Daniel chapter 3 verse 1, we read these words that Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold. Uh, Some commentators would say that this image uh, of gold had, had a form of a human. Maybe Nebuchadnezzar had been captivated from the dream in Daniel chapter 2. If you remember that dream, and, and God interpreted that dream through Daniel, but uh, the dream had, had Nebuchadnezzar as, as the head of gold, and, and maybe it got to his head, and he wanted everybody to see him and, and see this great nation of Babylon. And he builds this huge uh, statue, 90 feet tall, 9 feet wide. Think of the Washington Monu- Monument, tall and skinny. And he wants everybody to bow down and worship this statue. Remember last week we said this, that that when Nebuchadnezzar built this statue, really in essence what he did is he's combining church and state. Nebuchadnezzar says, not only am I the emperor, but you are to worship the emperor and you will worship this way. He has combined church and state. And we know historically, whenever you combine church and state, it rarely works out well. Church and state have been combined, and we read this from last week, that he has this huge party, and he invites the greatest orchestra ever to come. You remember? Had all these crazy instruments, including a bagpipe. It was beautiful. He has this huge party. All of, the, uh, all of his cabinet is there, and, and he brings everybody to uh, this place to worship uh, the statue. And, and he tells them, he says, once you hear the beautiful music, you fall down and worship. Verse number 7, it says this. He says, therefore, at that time when the peoples heard the sound of, here's this great music. Now listen, this is beautiful. When they heard the great music of the horn, the flute, the lyre, the trigon, the psaltery, and the bagpipe, Who wants that next Sunday morning? Beautiful, beautiful, all kinds of music. All the peoples of the nations and men men of every language fell down and they worshiped the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. And the plot begins to thicken because there we see Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they are going to say, and they have said, we aren't going to do it the way Babylon wants us to do it. We are going to stand up. We are not going to bow down because we know what Scripture says. We know what God has told His people. And we're going to trust that whatever God said is for our benefit and for our best. And they say, King, we are not going to do that. Now, now by the way, let me just take a step back here and share this with you because maybe you know this. Uh, but let's think about the location of the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon, where this statue has been built, this 90-foot statue of, of King Nebuchadnezzar. Um, it is built where Genesis 11 takes place or took place, where the Tower of Babel was built. 
If you remember the Tower of Babel, what the people said there, that we want to make a name for ourselves. We want to become everything. And they made us tower as tall as they could. And it's there where God says, no, you can't do that. Man cannot become God, and I'm going to separate you. This is where languages come from, scripturally. This is where, this is where God divides people and begins to separate them. This area, the province of Dura, the province of Babylon, this is also where you flip all the way over to the end of the Bible, Revelation chapter 17, we read this about Babylon, that Babylon is the mother of all abominations. This is where all this is taking place. And it's in this area where man wanted to be God, and where Nebuchadnezzar says, I am God, therefore you must bow down and worship me. This is where Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego say these great words. Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to give you an answer concerning this matter, meaning we aren't going to bow down. And they say this to him, they say, if it be so, our God whom we serve, he is what? He is He's able. He's able to deliver us from the furnace of the blazing fire, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. And in verse 18, which we love what they say in verse 18, but even if he does not. Amen? Remember we talked about last week, we ended last week with these uh, with the way that God can save us from things. He can deliver us. He will save us from things. He will save us through things, or he'll save us over to things. Do you remember that? And so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, even if he does not save us from this, they say, let it be known, O king, we're not going to bow down. We're not going to bow down. We're not going to serve your kings, excuse me, we're going to serve your gods or that golden image that you have set up. And so when they say those words, they are standing in need of a miracle. How many of you this morning would say, Pastor, I'm in need of a miracle this morning. Can I get a hand this morning? Anybody here this morning say, I need a miracle today? Several of you have your hands up saying, I need a miracle. Well, what is a miracle? Now, we're going to talk a little bit more about miracles later on in Daniel and the lion's den, Daniel chapter 6. But let me just give you a little brief preview of what, what, a, what a miracle is. And this is my definition of a miracle. A miracle is a supernatural power by a supernatural being used for a supernatural purpose that transcends the natural. It's a supernatural power by a supernatural being uh, that is used for a supernatural purpose that transcends the natural. It means this, that the supernatural, something outside of us, invades the natural, and all that you can say is God. Are you with me this morning? God. God. God did it. And so right here, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they are in need of a miracle. Well, let's look at our text, beginning of verse 19, and let's see the miracle that takes place when you and I, just as these three men did, uh, when we put our trust in God as we walk through the fire. You ready? Okay, this side is. All right, this side. You ready? Look at your neighbor and say, I'm ready to see a miracle. Very good. Verse 19. Here we go. Look what he says. The boys have said no to the king. In verse 19, it says this. Then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with wrath, and his facial expression was altered toward Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Here's a little side note. Parents, I'm sure you have seen this in your household before. Amen? Have you seen the distorted face before? 
Well, absolutely we have. And, you know, I think it's quite amazing when you think about humanity and humankind and relationships that, that you can really see what's inside somebody just by looking at their faces. Amen? I mean, you should see what I see every Sunday morning. And I feel bad for you looking at this every single Sunday morning, too, so don't, don't get me wrong. But, but it's amazing what you can see through the faces. You know, the Bible says that the eyes are the windows to the soul. You remember the story of Cain and Abel. Uh, Cain killed his brother Abel, and then after he killed them, God shows up to Cain, and he says to him in Genesis chapter 4, verse 6, he says, Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? Other translations say, say, why has your face fallen? Why, 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 why has your face fallen? You see, here's what happens. The, the, the face always reflects what's on the inside. Your face is a mirror, and you let everybody know what's going on on the inside. And here in verse number 19, Nebuchadnezzar's face, it tells the story. He is mad. The boys, these men, they've said no. They said, you're not God. You are, you are, we are not going to bow down to you. And he is, he is angry. And I began to think about this. What, you know, I kind of get why he's really angry, but I began to think about this a little bit more. So why, why is he just so angry at these three men? And, and, and I think it's this because Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, all through this story, they are under control and in control, aren't they? And all through the story, Nebuchadnezzar is out of control. You see, that's what happens with, when men and women of God who are under God's control, we remain in control of, of, of our situations and how we handle the situations. I want you to write this down. This is on the screen. The world doesn't know our God is in control because they're not under his control. The world doesn't know that God, sovereign God, is in control because the overwhelming majority of people are not under His control. If you will not bow down to God and be under His control, you cannot uh, believe that God is in control. So in order to understand that, you have to be uh, under God's control. Well, verse 19, he answered by giving orders to heat the furnace seven times more than it was usually heated. Now, here's a question for you. Why did he need to heat that fire seven times more? I mean, did he have to? I mean, if, I mean, I think that would kill the average person, would it not? Would it not? Why is he, why is he heating this up? He's losing his mind. He's out of control. He's overreacting, by the way. Have you ever noticed that the most insecure people tend to overreact? Are you with me? We asleep this morning? We insecure this morning, yeah, right? Yeah, there's all some insecurities in a lot of us, me included as well. But look at what he does. Look at what the king does and look at what God does. Verse 20. And Nebuchadnezzar commanded certain valiant warriors. This can be translated also as the young and the best. Hold on to that thought. He commanded certain valiant warriors who were in his army to tie these men up. No reason to tie them up. Again, this is unnecessary. They tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in order to cast them into the furnace of the blazing fire. And then these men were tied up in their trousers, their coats, their caps, and their other clothes. And they were cast into the midst of the furnace of the blazing fire. Again, what we want to see and understand is this. This is, I mean, they want these guys to burn. 
You, you get it. I mean, they want them to burn. Nebuchadnezzar said, man, I'm so angry at you that you won't bow down to, to me. You won't bow down to the world. Therefore, we are going to burn you, and we want you to burn as quick as you possibly can. Well, look at verse 22. Now, look at verse 22, because I believe that this is one of the most overlooked evangelical and prophetic passages in the entire Bible. Verse number 22. Now, when we read this, I, I, I struggle with maybe just camping out here for a while, an uh, entire sermon on it, but, but uh, that would take us about 1.30. And I don't think you're ready for that. But look at this, verse 22. For this reason, because the king's command, because the king's command was urgent and the furnace had been made extremely hot, watch, the flame of the fire slew those men who carried up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Out beside verse number 22, I want you to write this, uh, these two words. Write this down. Self-destructive. I want you to write that down. Self-destructive. Uh, one commentator noted, noted this about verse number 22, and I'm in agreement with this. One noted commentator said this, that this, verse 22, is a picture of a kingdom or kingdoms who turned their back on God and set up their own images to worship. When you turn your back on God as an individual, as a family, as a kingdom, a nation, you become self-destructive. You become self-destructive. Now, now follow this. And the generation... The generation that rejects the knowledge of God, the very next thing you see is the coming generation will die because of the parents' rejection of God. Do I need to say that again? I got a yes over here, yes. Do I have a yes over here? Yes. (laughs) This, verse 22, this is a picture. This is prophetic and this is evangelical. This is a picture. This is a picture of a generation that rejects God, turns their backs on, turns their backs on God, sets up their own images to worship. What happens is the very next thing after a, rege- a generation rejects God, the children of that generation pay for their parents' rejection of God. Pastor, how do you, how, how do you say that? Well, I say that because Nebuchadnezzar tied up the godly men, set them to a sacrifice, and he said, I want the young and best of my army, which would be the generation behind Nebuchadnezzar. Are you tracking with me? And that generation walks up the godly men to the fire, and the fire engulfs them. I believe that this is indicative of history. I believe that verse 22, this this is a picture of a generation and of a people that will reject God. This is what will happen to the next generation. To a generation that is filled with wrath towards God, to his people, they reject him and they reject his standards. The first ones to pay are the children of that generation because they will kill the young. This past weekend, I went to the Skylark a banquet, which Skylark Ministries here in Brunswick and the Golden Isles is a ministry, a sexual health and care ministry set up, designed to protect life. 
I don't think I have to say, I don't think I, don't think I have to spend a lot of time on this topic, but know this. The next generation is at stake in this coming election. Now, to the generation that's behind me, you may think it's not that big of a deal. And you and others, teachers, your mentor, what you, they think, oh, it, it's, it's about women's rights. It's about life. Which includes the unborn, the ones that already are as well. It includes us even as we are present today. And so I, I want to speak to my generation right now. My generation. Today we are living in a, in a generation and in a political world that has renounced God educationally, politically, philosophically, and even some theologically. There has been a pastor in Atlanta running for office who has said that abortion is consistent with Scripture. My generation, it's time for my generation to stand up. It's time for my generation to stand up. And to protect the generation that's coming behind us. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Why am I emphasizing my generation? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They're in their 30s. I mean, I'm out of my 30s, but I still think I'm in my 30s. But my generation, my generation, we must lead we must lead our families, we must lead our, our people, we must lead our nation back to, to declare God as sovereign God and we will, we will not bow down to any other thing that this world promotes. I believe verse number 22 is prophetic. Because what I find interesting in verse number 22 is this. The furnace has been heated up seven times hotter, right? The young and the best from Babylon taken up there. I'm sure they have Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego pretty close to them, right? Because they're leading them up, right? I mean, they're not, le- they're not way back there. They're, they're right next to them. Who's the only one that's engulfed in flames? Come on. Who's the only one that's engulfed in flames? The soldiers. Why? 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 Surely the flames that came out would have engulfed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego at the same time. Why? I believe this is prophetic. I believe this is a picture of what will happen to those who do not bow their knee to Jesus Christ as personal Lord and Savior. You will be engulfed by the flames of hell. 
Pastor, I don't, I don't know about that, Pastor. I don't know. You know, Pastor, I know you're really excited that the Aggies beat Florida. I know that. Uh, my wife says, you're welcome to all you Georgia fans. Quick story. My next door neighbor is a diehard Florida Gator fan. We have a Texas A&M flag in our front yard. I asked the wife if we could put the A&M flag in front of their house yesterday. She said, we will run over it. <laughs> See, Pastor, I don't, I don't know about hell and this fire. I, I don't, I don't, I, I, Pastor, I think you're making this up. Go to Revelation chapter 20. Revelation chapter 20, verses 11 through 15. Let's look at the end of the story. You remember, in order for us to understand Revelation, what first do we need to understand? Daniel. Daniel is the beginning of all the prophecies. Revelation is going to be the ending of all the prophecies, but we need to understand it all, right? Look at what Revelation says. Revelation chapter 20, verses 11 through 15. And it's on the screen as well. Follow along. Verse 11. Then I saw a great white throne, and I asked him who sat upon it, from whose presence earth and heaven fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, the great and the small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged from the things which were written in the books according to their deeds. Verse 13. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. And death and Hades gave up the dead uh, which were in them. And they were judged, every one of them, according to their deeds. Verse 14. Then death and Hades were thrown into the what? This is the second death. What's the second death? Say it. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into, everybody say it. Can you not see how prophetic verse number 22 is in Daniel chapter 3? One commentator said this, and I'm in agreement with him. He said that he did not want to hear the topic of hell preached unless there were tears shed for the souls of men. One of my prayers that has been this week, and there's been tears, is that we as a church, and that we as individuals, that we would be burdened by the eternal reality of those who do not bow their knee to Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. The reality is, if you reject Christ, you will be engulfed by the fiery flames of hell. And we who have bowed our knee need to be burdened and hurt and weep and cry and beg and plead for these. Many of these may be our loved ones. That we must beg and plead with the merciful, compassionate God that he would grant salvation to them so that they would be rescued from the fiery flames. Well, we need a miracle, don't we? We need a miracle, don't we? We need a miracle. Well, let's see what happens next. 
Let's see what happens as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, as they trust God, trust that he's going to give, trust that God's going to give them a miracle. And I think these things can happen to us as well if we trust in a miracle. Write this down. If you're standing in need of a miracle this morning, write this down. Jesus will walk with you. Jesus will walk with you. Look at, look at verse number 23. Verse number 23 says, But these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell into the midst of the furnace of blazing fire, still tied up. The Septuagint, we talked about the Septuagint last week, if you remember. Septuagint is a Greek translation of, of the Old Testament. The Septuagint says this, it added this phrase in there. It said that as they were standing on the platform, they were praising God as they were thrown into the fire. Hello. Now watch what happens when you praise and you trust God in the midst of your fire and you're standing in need of a miracle. Verse 24, then Nebuchadnezzar, the king, was astounded and he stood up in haste and he said to his officials, was there not three men that we cast into the fire? And, and his, his cabinet said, oh, oh yes, oh king, there, there were only three. Verse 25, he said, but look, I see, I see four. I, I, I see four. And not just four men, but four loosed men walking in the midst of the fire without harm and the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods who is the son of the gods who is this that just appeared out of nowhere i mean moments before shadrach meshach and abednego they're on top of the platform they're praising god they're about to be thrown into the fire they're trusting god whether he delivers them from it or over to it they're praising him then all of a sudden in the midst of their fire in the midst of their storm jesus begins to show up and walks with them. I believe this with all of my heart that here in chapter 3, verse 25, I believe that this is the pre-incarnate Jesus Christ. This is not a son of the gods. It is the son of God. It is the pre-incarnate Jesus Christ and Jesus is walking with them. He's walking with them in the fire. Which I find is amazing because All along, Jesus has said these words to believers, I will be with you, and I promise to never leave you nor forsake you. Amen? I mean, is God a liar? No, he's not. Jesus has kept his word. He has said he will always be with you. He said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will always be with you. And here in the lives of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, he proves it to them. And as he proved it to them, he can prove it to you and I today, whatever fire we're going through. When Jesus is about to ascend into heaven after he has risen from the dead, he gave what is known as the Great Commission, Matthew chapter 28. One of the last words that Jesus said to his disciples was this, Lo, I am with you always. Look at your neighbor and say, thank goodness Jesus is walking with me. Because if he's not walking with me, I'm in trouble. Amen. The prophet Isaiah, and we mentioned this last week, the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 43. Um, I encourage you to write this down on a note card, put it on your smartphone, put it on your refrigerator door, memorize it, hold on to it. But but Isaiah 43 verse 2 says this, when you pass through the waters, I will what? Be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not what? sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will set you ablaze, will not set you ablaze, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. What I love about that verse is this, that he does not say 
if the rivers come your way. Are you with me? He doesn't say if the fires come. He says when. He says when. When you go through the fire, when you go through the storm, when you go through the flood, Jesus' words from the Old Testament all the way to the New Testament and everywhere in between, Jesus says this, if you trust me, I'm going to be with you. Listen, I know several of you, and we began to mention this last week, but this is continuing the theme of chapter 3. I know several of you are going through fires, floods, difficult situations. You're going through storms. And the world may be, you may think the world's falling apart, but trust God. Listen to me. Listen. Trust Him. He's there. Well, Pastor, I don't feel Him. I don't sense him. I don't, I, I, I don't, I feel like I'm in the dark. I, I, I don't know where I'm going and, 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 and I, I can't feel him. Listen, you may not feel him, but the truth is he's with you. The truth is he's with you. And so you have to tell yourself, Jesus said, I will never leave you. I'll never forsake you. You just have to tell yourself over and over and over again that Jesus is with me in the fire and you have to hold on to that. You just have to hold on to it. Because our feelings, overwhelmingly, they go up and down like the rising of the sun. But the truth is always the same. The truth is always the truth, no matter what is going on. You hold on to the fact that Jesus is with you. Here's number two. Write this down. When you trust Jesus, when you trust God through the fire, here's what else happens. God will set you free. God will set you free. Uh, look, at this. I, I love this in verse number 26. In verse 27, we're going to see that, that God burns off the, tie, uh, the ropes that tie them down. And, and look at this, verse 26. And Nebuchadnezzar came to the door of the furnace of the blazing fire. He responded and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, come out, you servants of the Most High God. Hold on to that. We're going to come back to that in just a moment. You servants of the Most High God, and come here. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they came out of the fire. In verse 27, the satraps, the prefects, the governors, and the kings, high officials, all gathered around. There's a little irony there. Because they're the ones who condemned the men of God. And so they're kind of... Because they know it's about to happen, don't they? They know it's about to happen. And they look at these men and they look around and they, and, they, and they see in regard to these men that the fire had no effect on the bodies of these men, nor was the hair of their head singed, nor were their trousers damaged, nor had the smell of fire even come upon them. Wow! Man, I, I, I don't know about you, but I like to, I like to barbecue. I like to go outside and, and grill some steaks, some Texas barbecue, smoke some wings, some, some ribs. Whew. But I know this, when I do that, I'm out there for a while smoking the ribs or the, or the wings, and, and I get it all ready, and I come back inside, and we're going to sit down to eat. My wife and children are always tell me the same thing. After I've been outside smoking the food, you know what they'll tell me? Go take a shower. Why? Because I stink. 
here it says, they didn't even smell like smoke. Wow. Wow. None of their hair was singed. And they're all standing there, and, and all of these men are looking on at this great miracle that has taken place, and, and God has released them. He has, he has tore down the bonds that have kept them from freedom. Listen, many of you may be in bondage to something, but God is in the business of loosening those bonds, and all you have to do is trust Him. Well, here's the last thing that I want to share with you this morning. And write this down. When you trust God in the fire, it will bring non-believers to Christ. How you and I, listen, how you and I respond in the midst of a fire can be evangelical or evangelistic. How you respond. How you respond to it. Look at verse 26 again. The Nebuchadnezzar came to the door of the furnace, the blazing fire. He responded and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, come out, you servants of the Most High God. Circle that in your Bible. Circle that. I like to do that in purple. Purple stands for royalty. That's how I highlight my Bible. Every time I see Jesus or God or Holy Spirit, I'll do it in purple because it stands for royalty and kingship. Well, this Hebrew word, Most High God, it is El Elyon, E-L dash E-L-Y-O-N, El Elyon, and it literally means, you're going to like this, it literally means the strongest God of the gods. Now, remember, Nebuchadnezzar had set up a God competition, did he not? He said, nobody can save you. Nobody can save you from this fire. Nobody can do it. And these boys say, well, yeah, absolutely somebody can. Let's just have a competition. And they come out of the fire And Nebuchadnezzar says, come out, you servants of the Most High God. What does that mean? It means that the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego defeated this God named Nebuchadnezzar. What I find interesting in this text, this is just so amazing, is that we only hear Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego speak in verses 16, 17, and 18. They don't say anything else. I just find that amazing. I mean, I'd jump out of the fire, I'd be laughing at that guy, right? I told you, <laughs> I'd be running around, jumping up and down. They don't say a word. They just stand there, and then a pagan king, a pagan king. I mean, we're seeing his conversion take place right in front of us. We'll see more about that later in Daniel chapter 4 in chapter 5, and so on. But you look at this, and the pagan king says, you come out, you servants of the Most High God. Listen, because of their faith in the fire, it was a witness and it was a testimony to a non-believing world that our God is God, and He reigns supreme, and He will always reign no matter what happens. And because these men took a stand for their faith once they came out because God protected them as he says he was going to do because they stood on the faith, they come out and the godless say, I want that God. And it becomes evangelical and it becomes evangelistic. All how you walk through the fire. How you walk through the fire makes a difference not discounting the pain, 
not discounting the possibility of death, not discounting that, but how you walk makes all the difference in the world. Because how you walk in the midst of a fire can actually have eternal consequences. How you walk through the fire can have eternal consequences. Well, look at verse 28, and we're going to close. Nebuchadnezzar responded, and he said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants, who put their trust in him, violating the king's commands and yielding up their bodies so as not to serve or worship any god except their own god. I want you to notice five words in verse number 28 because this is the key to walking through the fires, to having faith in the fire. Five words in verse 28, and it's this. Put their trust in him. That's it. That's it. Put their trust in him. And what I love about this story that we heard in Sunday school on the flannel boards Amen? This story over 2,600 years ago tell us the story of these three men who put their trust in him and God saved them. You know, every single one of us is going to pass from this earth. Every single one of us, unless Jesus Christ returns and we meet him in the air, I don't don't know about you, but I sure would like to have some certain words on my my tombstone, on on my marker, on the grave. When I'm gone, I sure hope these words on there are something like this, that he trusted in God. (laughs) Can I tell you that that's the most important thing in life? Your tombstone's not going to say, oh, he trusted in his career. She trusted in her family. She was the greatest cook. He was the greatest boss. All of that goes away. And the one thing that matters is what you do with God through his son, Jesus Christ. My prayer is it is your desire that your tombstone would say, he or she trusted in God because that will have lasting generational and eternal consequences. Amen? May we trust in God as we walk through the fire. Let's pray. Father, we come before you today. I thank you, God, for this story, true story, the testimony and the witness of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego as they walked through the fire. Father, I pray this morning that as many of us in this room walk through a fire, that we would trust you, that we would stand firm, two feet planted firmly in your word. We hide your word in our hearts that we do not sin against you and that we trust you to either save us from, through, or over to. No matter what it is, we trust you because we know that you are with us. That's a promise. That you will loose us. That's a promise. And that this will be a witness to a lost and dying world. Oh God, may this fire that I'm going through 
lead to the salvation of souls who need you as their Lord and Savior. Father, thank you. Thank you for what you're leading me through. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. And let's thank the Lord for our fire that we're going to walk through it in the name of Jesus.